0: Welcome to Rogue Chemist. I'm Jenna Flaugeris, former lab rat turned digital nomad. Rogue Chemist chronicles my misadventures around the world, including the people I've met and the lessons I've learned along the way. The sights, sounds, and smells of a Muay Thai gym are unmistakable. That satisfying smack of fists, shins, elbows, knees, and the soles of feet hitting the pads. The distinctive smell of menthol from muscle rub hanging in the air. And long, heavy bags lined up in rows. I begin to wrap my hands, something I do automatically but with concentration. First folding the fabric into a thick layer on my knuckles, and then weaving it between each finger and with just the right amount of tightness. Finally, I wind it a few times around my wrists, and fasten the Velcro. I begin shadow boxing on the mats until my name is shouted out, snapping me out of my trance and beckoning me into the ring for pad work. Long after my first visit in 2014, I returned to Chiang Mai with a very specific goal in mind, to step into the boxing ring. Back then, I had been practicing Muay Thai in Canada for a few years and had come to Thailand to do some soul-searching while training and traveling around the country a bit. I had no real intention to fight and had sparred very little at that point. For over two months, I trained consistently yet casually, once a day with a break every few days. I returned to Thailand in 2017 to train for several weeks, but once again, not to fight. On both occasions, I pushed myself to an extent but it was nothing compared to what I would find myself doing nine years later, at age 36. How did the tables turn after all this time? In February 2022, after taking a two-year break from Muay Thai to travel and focus on climbing, another hobby of mine, I realized just how much I missed the sport and the community that came along with it. Muay Thai had been central to my life, including my mental and physical well-being, for such a long time. So I walked into Iron Tiger, a Muay Thai gym in Cape Town, South Africa, a city I had planned to be in for the foreseeable future. I didn't know exactly what to expect of myself after taking such a long break, but I was pleased to find out that my muscles remembered exactly what to do. The initial bruising on my shins subsided quickly and I became re-addicted. As the months went by, I started to fantasize about fighting in the ring at an organized event, something I had done once before, but under amateur kickboxing rules three rounds, and no elbows or clinching, and with full body protection. The conditions more so mimicked a hard sparring match than a real fight. I wanted to do it the tie way, five rounds, six-ounce gloves, elbows and clinch allowed, and no protection. I even put together a playlist of potential songs to walk out to in case the opportunity arose. That lingering fantasy in the back of my mind evolved into a conviction, and I realized I needed to do something about it and why not go big? I definitely wasn't going home anytime soon. Returning to Thailand to fight in Chiang Mai, a place that had transformed me so long ago, seemed appropriate. Having followed women's Muay Thai for a number of years, I had known about the Swedish fighter Teresa Wintermere, and through social media discovered that she had recently established her own gym in Chiang Mai with her husband, said Tiaruan. I knew that training under the expertise of a Nakmoy Ying, female fighter, who had been fighting for over a decade in Thailand, was the right fit. I also knew what to expect in terms of the rigorous training regimen. Twice per day, six days a week. Everything included, each day amounted to around five hours of training, basically becoming a full-time job. Since I wasn't starting from scratch, I figured that five weeks of this grind would be enough to get me in fighting shape. But training to fight is very different from training for fun. The minor discomforts of training a handful of times per week are magnified. The sweat dripping off your hands as you skip and struggle to grip the thick wooden rope handle of the heavy tie skipping rope in the humid gym, accidentally whipping your toes every so often, if you know, you know. The slight carpet burn on the bottom of your foot as you pivot into a roundhouse kick on the canvas of the boxing ring, which happens hundreds of times during a single session. Eventually, other issues arose. My right knee swelled to twice its size from repeatedly bludgeoning it on the pads, and the chronic insomnia I was experiencing since I arrived was wearing me down. I realized that I couldn't train effectively on only a few hours sleep per night and sought out a doctor who prescribed me a few weeks worth of Ativan to solve my sleep issue until my fight was over. Not ideal, but I deemed it necessary to meet my goal. But this wasn't the only thing. My moods were up and down. The dopamine high I'd normally experiencing training at a hobby level was non-existent with this training schedule. I did feel a deeper sense of satisfaction in the improvements I was making, but no real pleasure was had. I was mainly going about the motions, and most of the time I felt like I was trapped in limbo. It was convenient that I was staying at the hotel the gym was located in, but I barely saw the light of day. A chunk of in-between time was devoted to hand-washing my sweat-soaked clothes and trying to resist the urge to faceplant in bed in order to work. Luckily, I'm a freelancer, so I have pretty much full control over when I work. I wouldn't have been able to manage this volume of training otherwise. Cramming enough calories into my body so that I didn't waste away was also its own job. As a vegan with a slim build to begin with, this was tough. I inevitably lost a few kilos, especially after running five kilometers before each afternoon training session for a few weeks up until the match, but it wasn't a drastic difference. One week before the match, I faced the toughest hurdle, which wasn't physical, but mental. I had been feeling strong and confident after resolving my sleep issue, but suddenly felt really depressed. I suspected overtraining or under recovery, however you look at it, was the trigger. Or maybe it was the isolation and redundancy of my daily routine that finally got to me. Whatever the cause, I suddenly hated every second of training. I put on a poker face as best I could, but felt like Wednesday Adams was becoming my new alter ego. How the hell did my excitement turn so quickly into dread? Why was I even doing this? Did it even make sense if I wasn't enjoying it anymore? This new line of very untimely thinking scared me because it had never been my mindset towards training in the past. It wasn't me. I was worried about fighting in this state and started to have second thoughts. Should I postpone the match? Teresa assured me the self-doubt was entirely normal and with pep talks from a few wonderful friends, I snapped out of my newfound pessimism with time to spare. I actually had my strongest training sessions and sparring rounds the days leading up to the match once I fully accepted my fate whatever the outcome. I knew I'd feel relief once it was all over. I don't think I would have seriously entertained the idea of canceling the fight, the one thing I came here to do, but it was definitely tempting for those few moments I spent hovering over rock bottom, crying in the shower after those few sessions I felt especially miserable. On the morning of fight day, I immersed myself in a cold water bath and was feeling prepared, both mentally and physically. Afterwards, Teresa braided my hair into cornrows and said tea gave me the first of two pre-fight massages. In the afternoon, I went to the empty gym on my own to practice the Y crew Ram Moi Teresa had shown me, a traditional dance performed in the ring by fighters before a match. This dance is the first impression the spectators and judges have of the fighter. And I think I was more nervous about screwing up the steps than for the actual fight. A few hours before the fight, Teresa texted me to let me know that I'd have a different opponent than the one who appeared on the event poster released a few days before. That slightly hilarious poster had me front and center as the lone Farang, or foreigner, on the fight card. I was the international fight of the evening. The Thai versus Farang theme is popular and presumably attracts more tourists. My new opponent was familiar. I had watched her fight Delia, a tough Romanian fighter training out of our gym back in January. I knew Dao Nu was experienced, but no idea just how experienced, not to mention if we were actually in the same weight class. Delia, who had some previous kickboxing fights, won that match after five rounds, but it didn't look easy. I later learned that Dao Nu had at least 60 fights to her name, which I'm relieved I didn't know about beforehand. I rode to Loy Crow Stadium from my hotel alone, feeling relatively calm and cheerful, I made small talk with my grab driver, telling him I was about to have my first Muay Thai match. He was surprised and slightly amused, wishing me luck as we pulled up to the stadium. Stadium maybe isn't the most accurate description of Loy Crow. The vibe is more seedy than sports-like. Scantily clad Thai women gesture lone white men into the loud bars surrounding the ring. And the spectators are almost entirely Farangs, many of whom I suspected had never seen live Muay Thai and were here to check it off their vacation to-do list. I walked up to the booth selling tickets and pointed to my face on the poster. I would be fight number five out of seven. The back room where most of the fighters were preparing looked like an old storage closet, a pile of odds and ends crammed into the corner. A few fighters had already arrived, sitting on chairs in their civilian clothes and wrapping their own hands, looking very calm and accustomed to the experience, unlike me. Teresa and said T arrived soon after, laying out a blanket on the floor near the red corner of the ring, the corner I'd be in, in favor of the fighter's closet. Ming, Dimitri, and Soda, three other fighters training with me, soon joined us. I was really grateful that they had come out to stand in my corner. T proceeded to mummify my hands in layers of thin white wraps, sticking a spongy yet hard block across my knuckles first. He secured the wraps with strips of tape. The pre-fight oil massage was next, which was in no way relaxing. Muay Thai liniment oil, every Thai boxer's best friend, contains methyl salicylate. It's the secret yellow sauce. The result of massaging it roughly into your skin is an intense burning sensation that makes muscles less sensitive to pain. Said T placed on my arm a beautiful green and pink prachiat he had made, an armband traditionally worn for good luck. Donning Teresa's old red tank top, one she had worn to win her second title belt, I felt like I had enough good luck to at least get me through the first round. As I shadow boxed and paced around my corner, an English-speaking Thai man approached me with a piece of paper in hand. On it was neatly written a list of my opponent's perceived weaknesses. Eyes, eyebrows, chin, jaw, waist, ribs, and abdomen. Teresa told me he was a regular at the stadium and had probably seen her fight many times. I thanked him for the cheat sheet. As fight number four got underway, it was time for the finishing touch, the gloves. After I crammed my hands into them, the smallest gloves I'd ever worn, said he taped them securely to my wrists. All dressed up and nowhere to go but the ring. Finally, it was my turn. Eye of the Tiger started to play over the loudspeaker, one of the stadium's default walkout songs. The announcer introduced me and I entered the ring, feeling a surge of surrealness. Another element for good luck was placed on my head by said T, the Mong Kong, and I started my Y crew Ramway. It was all going fine until I realized the ring was smaller than the one I had practiced in and had a few missteps. But I didn't take it too seriously and made my way back into my corner, bowing to my opponent. Another surge, this time a pang of nervousness, passed over me. The ref motioned us to the center, and the bell sounded. In Thailand, first rounds are normally intended for feeling out and possibly intimidating the opponent, which is the approach I used. I relied entirely on automation and didn't think about what I was doing. A round is two minutes for women and three for men. Round two was a different story. After a more heated exchange at the beginning of the round, followed by me struggling with her cling wrap grip around my waist in the clinch, I was starting to feel drained. Despite pounding the pads for over four minute rounds and sparring for three and a half minute rounds, multiplied by weeks on end, two minutes of a fight can feel like an hour of training. I think this effect is especially pronounced for newbies, and I wasn't spared. My opponent was more bold and aggressive in the second round, landing the odd hard punch to the face and zapping my energy in the clinch. I was losing my ability to fend her off. After she landed a dizzying punch flurry to my head at the end of the second round, polished off with a hammer of a right cross to my face, the ref tentatively called it. If I had indicated that I wanted to keep fighting, I think he would have let me, but I did a quick check-in with myself, weighing the consequences. Did I really want to keep fighting and sustain more damage? Honestly, I didn't think it was worth it. I wasn't winning at this point and didn't believe I could turn the match around. After I exited the ring, the Thai guy who had advised me earlier on my opponent came over to me. Again, he had more sage advice in hand. Stamina is your gun, and the ring is the Wild West, he said, implying that my gun was not fully loaded in that match. It was a good analogy, but I already knew what I was lacking. Heart. Passion. The burning desire to win. I didn't have these things in the end, which maybe shouldn't have come as a surprise given my wavering attitude during training. To be honest, this realization made me feel more like an imposter and not like a true fighter. Despite this disappointment, I did commit myself to the hard training and preparation for the fight and did step into the ring and perform, which I know is something to be proud of. To use the old cliche, it's the journey, not the destination, right? My goal was actually never to win the match, although it would have been icing on the cake, but simply to have the experience of having a fight in Thailand and to show good Muay Thai technique, which I think I did a pretty decent job of. Although the idea briefly crossed my mind, I don't plan to try to redeem myself in a second fight. Logically, I know that my time and energy would be better spent on other goals I want to achieve. So I'm back to training for fun, fitness, and the love of the art of Muay Thai. But then again, never say never. Thanks for listening, guys. To see videos and photos from my training leading up to my match and fight night at Loy Crow Stadium, you can check out my Instagram profile, brochemist underscore blog. I'll also be posting the written version on my blog, rowchemistblog.com.